All right, hey guys, this is going to be uh, episode 12 of the, uh, the YouTube live series and the podcast. Uh, tonight we've got Blake from uh, Blakewater Instagram fame. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with his kit consideration posts, which are some super informative text-based uh, gear stuff, as well as uh, a lot of fitness stuff, um, a lot of uh, stories uh, to highlight other people's work, and a whole wealth of resources being shared. So, Blake, if you if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit for everybody watching along. Yeah, sure. So I'm Blake Flannery. Uh, I go by Blake Water. It's been called sign for a long time, hence why it's the uh, Instagram tag. Um, just started the Instagram thing to share knowledge that I have accrued over a almost 20-year career in the Marine Corps. Uh, I have been a recon Marine for 16, 17 of those years. I started off in the infantry before that. And just really want to get a lot of the stuff that I've learned and put that back out there that can be consumed at a wider audience than what I'm able to reach on a day-to-day -day basis uh, in my job. Um, so I focus on, you know, smaller things with gear and weapons manipulation, uh, small things with fitness. Mostly I share what the professionals put out, uh, but I put out a few things here and there just to show that I'm, also trying to you know better myself um there's a lot of really good pages that have been popping up on instagram for the military community uh, over the past you know year and a half or so so i really try to push that stuff out there as well um, promote a better community within social media but then also you know a lot of the, the younger guys are, are turning to social media when they get off work to decompress whatever it is that they're doing so to see that stuff on their feeds, you know, helps kind of reinforce some of the ideas that hopefully are being told them by their leadership. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, the kind of the, the trend towards social media, which has been happening for probably a decade now, but like oh, yeah. specifically the, the Instagram side, I fought it as long as possible. And then I realized that a lot of aspects of Facebook have kind of died off. So I, I moved over to Instagram. Um, yeah, I, I really harped against it. I would tell guys, you know, first day of the course, like, hey, you know, take pictures. You're going to want these memories, but don't put this stuff on social media. Don't be there Snapchatting and Instagramming and all this. Um, and I actually started Instagram to keep tabs on my teenager uh, <laughs> to make sure that he wasn't putting out anything crazy. And I started, you know, kind of putting some stuff out there, realizing that there, you know, I should try to exploit this platform. Um, and then it just kind of grew. It did. I was looking through your account uh, just to to kind of catch up before this. And it looks like you started it uh, two years ago, right, right around two years ago, 18 months ago, something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I started the actual account about 2018. Uh, I really didn't start posting anything until probably 2019, and that was like maybe once a month. And then uh, I would say last summer, last spring of 2020, I started trying to put out like once a week, but my account was still private um, because in my mind, I was like, well, you know, I can kind of control who sees it and try to make sure it's like just 
military people that are seeing this because it's kind of who it's for, but you know, it wasn't getting a lot of reach. Uh, and at the behest of Cognitive Raider and the Continental Marine, who are both like really good pages if you don't follow those uh, on Instagram, um, they kind of kept hitting me up and asking me to go public. And I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll wait till I'm retired to do that. Uh, but I was on a boat out in the Chesapeake uh, during a training course, and I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's see what happens. And I switched it to public, and it just took off. Yeah, I got to I gotta ask kind of along that, that same line. So uh, you started out private and then, and then made the switch to public. And uh, if you're not familiar with Blake, he's got about 15,000 followers right now on Instagram, um, which I'm not, I don't, I don't, follower count is what it is, right? But when it's people that are putting out good information, like that's, that's important to me because the reach for the educational value is what I care about, right? Like, if you're just some guy that's got, you know, a million followers and, and you just do things that aren't really value added, like that's, that's a whole separate issue, but you've got the reach. So did you, when you made that decision to switch over to the public side, did you, did you see any, did you get any feedback on that at work? I guess is, is my question. Uh, I started getting a lot of, because then once it was public and, you know, it could be, seen by a lot more people and so a lot of people just started following 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 and i was like ah it's probably a lot of bots and nonsense like why would all these people randomly all of a sudden find me and start following um so i kind of just kept putting stuff out there and i don't i don't remember what prompted the first like kit iterations post um it's a term i've been using kind of offhand as like a joke when i talk about putting together gear i've, I've been using it for like six, seven years now. Um, and I, I posted stuff like randomly just taking pictures of like my kid on the ground and kind of like some overview of it. Uh, it Somebody probably asked me about it in a DM or something. I was like, you know what? I should probably, I was like, I should, I'm going to do something about my gun belt. Like I'm going to use the gun belt. Uh, no, that was the first considerations post I put out was uh, on the gun belt. And I was like, I'm just going to, put it out there and see what happens. And it, uh, it got a lot of really positive feedback. Um, yeah, I just say like, here's the consideration. And that's the whole point, right? It's consideration. It's not, you need to do this hard and fast the way I'm telling you to do it. It's here's consideration. Um, and I, I have probably tried damn near everything and if i haven't tried it i've had someone i've worked directly with that has tried it like the upside down magazine i've had guys who saw that somewhere probably call of duty they're like that's super cool i'm gonna do that and then we're out in the range and you know we run up to a yard line and we're shooting and their magazines are back there because they fell out so it's like okay probably maybe don't want to do the upside down magazine thing uh, I've spent so much money on gear <laughs> since uh, my 20 years in, so um, that's kind of always been like my little forte, you know, just being the gear guru. So putting that out there and hopefully to like preventing people from going out and buying and trying and buying and trying and instead maybe just, you know, have a reference point, go here, like, all right, 
this is this is my ideas I'm getting from here. You know, there's some other pages that give ideas, so I can make a educated decision and kind of buy ones, cry ones when uh picking up a new piece of gear. Yeah, I I was talking to uh, one of my classmates this morning uh, because I, I shared that we were going to do this, and he saw he went to your page and he watched your um, your mag slapping video, right? And like he's he's not a, a not a gear guy, um, he's a military guy, but like just you know surface level stuff, right? And he watched it and he's like, I really like the way that guy puts out information, and it really resonated with me the whole kit considerations thing, right? And you saying it's not do this. It's it's my thought process on what works and what hasn't worked for me given these uh, these uses and this experience. Like it's it's such a a um, an open sharing of information, right? And it's it's a, a consideration, a suggestion. It's so so unabrasive and just so thought driven that I think that's probably where a lot of the appeal of your page comes from. Cause there's, there's so many pages out there that are just like, this is what I do. And this is the only way that you should do things. And yeah. a lot of times they don't even give the why, like, it's just, I like, I like this plate carrier. It's, it's the only plate carrier you should use. But then you go and you look at, I was reading like your, your comp setup uh, post earlier today and kind of the, the evolution from cummerbund mounted radios to back mounted radios to uh, the the wingman style pouch uh, for your radios, and you gave at every step the justification for why you why you might want to try that, or why you shouldn't waste your time doing it a certain way. Um, and it's there's so much like detail and background put into that information that I hope. I hope the the majority of the people that follow you and that read those things are getting the same the same value out of it that I do. Like I really appreciate the the thought you put into those things. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks for saying that. I, I, I think people do, and um, you know, I'm, I'm almost at 20 years, and out of that 20 years, uh, I'm gonna have about eight and a half years of instructor time. Uh, I uh, taught at the basic recon course and the recon team leader course for about four years. Uh, right now I teach primarily a close quarters battle course, um, but there's some other courses that we teach in support of the uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit out here on the East Coast. So I've got a lot of, you know, podium time. I've got a lot of time standing in front of people and giving formal instruction uh, but then, you know, as you know, like as a leader in the military, you're constantly standing in front of the people you're in charge of, whether it's a fire team, a platoon, or a company, and delivering information. Uh, and so I've just kind of learned and adapted over the course of my career, you know, what are the best ways to try and deliver information to a group? Uh, so I try to use levity when I can. Uh, and I definitely don't like to make things a hard and fast, like you need to do it this way. Because one of the things you can quickly get people upset about is you start talking tactics or anything that I consider tactics, and they get upset if it's against their belief, right? But if you just kind of make like, hey, here's just a suggestion, right? I'm just saying maybe you try this. And 
a lot of times that gets much better results than just being like, you're just going to do it because I fucking said so. You know, if you're like, hey, man, here's a suggestion. This is why I think you should do it. This is what works for me. And I've been doing it for X amount of time or X amount of repetitions, whatever. Um, that usually gets like, oh, okay, you know, I'll give that a shot. You know, I'll change the way I hold my pistol. I'll change the way I load my rifle. I'll move you know, some pouches on my belt. And, you know, a lot of times, like when I'm teaching students and I say these things, they'll come back and they'll be like, it worked, you know? Uh, or they'll come back and they'll be like, yeah, you know that, that thing you said would happen and I make a mistake? Yeah, I made that mistake. And I'll be like, all right, did you learn from it? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, then we're good. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, a lot of aspects of life, framing things uh, from the viewpoint of let me save you some heartache down the road, as opposed to this is the way uh, that even just that that small change in how you deliver the message is pretty huge. Um, I've, I've been through a couple different courses uh, where the, the instructor level is night and day between Hey, what you did kind of worked. Um, here's here's kind of a different way to skin that cat. Versus, I would I would never do it that way. And they're like, well, I'm definitely not going to do it your way now. Like, I don't I don't want to be on your side if you're telling me it's the only side. But if you're giving me options, all right, I'll I'll try it out. Yeah, and, and that's the reality. There's there's just so many options for so many things, and then, um, yeah, that was an issue. Like when I came in and the uh, the Molly system was, I don't know, maybe a few years old. You know, it was it was still pretty new concept. So there really wasn't anything on the market. Um, like Blackhawk hadn't started selling Molly pouches yet, and they were pretty much the only the only show in town for like gear producers. Um, there was a shop in Oceanside, California. I was stationed in Camp Pendleton for my first duty station. There was a place out there, and I think even when I got to the fleet, they still weren't making Molly pouches. Everything was still like belt mount uh, or just a straight up load bearing vest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you, you know, kind of got a tangent, but you know, the Molly system and they were like, hey, you know, you're going to take your three magazine pouches and you're going to put them here and you're going to take your two frag pouches and you're going to put them here because that's company SOP. And then, you know, if you're uh, a tool three or a fire team leader, uh, you're going to get X many 40 millimeter pouches and you're going to figure out where to put them. I'm like, so I have to put these other things where you stay, but then this other thing I have to figure out for myself. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that really sparked like a whole interest of trying to figure these things out. And uh, I was fortunate I had a buddy back then and he was just as interested in all this gear stuff as I was so we go out into town and you know we bought three-point slings when three-point slings were new and cool and uh we bought sub loads for the you know drop leg magazine pouches and we were wearing those around and uh just started making our lives as easy as we could in the uh the gear department um so that really started the, the whole career thing uh, and, I, and I fell into the pitfall for a while of like well you know, gear is the solution. So I just keep going out and buying like a better whiz bang pouch 
and that will make me more efficient. Um, that's the, the downside. If you get too too deep into the gear, it's like you got you got to train with it, you know, because for all the high speed gear that I was buying, there were still plenty of guys who were doing just as well with the issued stuff uh, because they were just putting in more reps than I was, you know. So it does come down to training, but gear can be a uh, it can make life easier if you've got the right stuff for sure. Yeah, it it is. It's strange how that that's not uh, a black and white thing. Like you can't you can't give all the credit to to just you know trying harder and and doing the job more, uh, but you definitely can't forsake that either. Um, there's there's absolutely like better better options out there that'll make life suck a lot less but if you don't know how to use a kit you still don't know how to use a kit and if you can't do your job you can't do your job yeah uh, but you can you can definitely be more comfortable doing your job and, Which, and some term will make you better <laughs> yeah and sometimes you know you gotta you gotta make those bad choices so you realize like oh man this was not a gear solution that i needed at all this was a me knowing my job solution and, yeah. and identifying some of those weaknesses yeah, one of those for me was uh, becoming a shotgun breacher, and I bought a scabbard to go on the back of my play carrier for uh, for VBSS missions because I was like, oh, this will be perfect. Like, it'll be on my back. It'll be secure. It'll be out of the way. It'll be more slimline than it would, like, just hang off my side. I'm like, this will be great, and I threw it. Like, I spent probably an hour and a half, came into work early, mounting the scabbard to the back of my plate carrier, and... We already had our guns out, so I went and I grabbed my breaching shotgun, and I was, like, trying to do dry runs. And it's like, all right, this isn't, like, as perfect as I thought it would be. And then, like, the more I practice with it, I'm like, this is dumb. I'm going to point the shotgun at myself, or I'm going to point it at somebody else. I'm probably not even be able to take it out inside a ship passageway because they're so low that I can't get it high enough. And I immediately took it off. So it, it had a life of, you know, maybe two hours between the hour and a half it took me to put it on to 30 minutes of me practicing to realize it was a really, really stupid thing to do. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't even, I couldn't even give that thing away. Like nobody wanted it. It ended up going in the trash. It's pretty wild how sometimes like those, those crazy good uh, ideas that happen in a vacuum pan out to just be awful as soon as you try to employ them. I'm like, I, and I'm sure at that point in time, you had been doing the job for a while and, and you kind of knew what the environment was and everything. So it's not, it's not a lack of thought that goes into it. It's just, you just, sometimes you just don't realize what you're doing. Yeah. And I've, I've absolutely made some of those mistakes. Like I, I keep moving stuff around because I was just, it would be great if this wasn't in my way right now. And then the next time I need it and it's nowhere accessible, I'm like, oh, this, this was a bad idea. I should just deal with that being in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I'm still picking up little bits here and there. And the guys at work are like, dude, you're retiring. Why are you still getting gear? Why are you getting new gun belts? Why are you trying to get like a better magazine pouch for this, that? And I'm like, because I enjoy this and I'm going to keep shooting after I leave. You know, I'm going to, you know, hopefully get employment in that arena, but we'll take this stuff to the range and use it. So might as well be the most efficient stuff I can get. Yeah. And I would imagine when you retire, it's not like the social media is not going to shut down and, and no more considerations. So yeah, it's, 
it's definitely a slippery slope. It's easy to continue justifying that stuff, even even though it doesn't seem useful at the surface. So yeah. What? Um, so we talked we, the scabbard. It, it kind of led into what I was going to ask you about tonight. So like, cool. I was curious, like, worst uh, kit idea that you've you've tried, or like most hopeful and then epic fail. Um, some of the things that that really surprised you like little things that you've done that just made life easier uh, those are kind of some of the things i'd like to touch on because uh, sometimes those are the hardest to find yeah so something um as far as like the best stuff uh whenever i go onto a gear page now the first tab that i check is uh accessories i go to the accessories tab and just the the little like bits and bobbles and straps and like these little ideas like uh, the first time I found Feral Concepts website you know years ago, um, and they have their uh, they, they call them PTT retainers so it's like a little one inch loop with the shock cord that comes around. I'm like, actually, I'm like that'd be a really good idea because I've been using you know heavyweight retainer bands from the Paraloft. But they dry rot and, you know, they break apart. I'm like, I know shock cord lasts a lot longer. These are already prefab. I think they were only like, they were like three bucks at the time, which is, you know, way more than what the materials cost, but screw it. Yeah. I bought a small handful um, and just doing that. And then I discovered uh, Mill Spec Monkey, uh, mm -hmm. his store. And I just started buying all the DIY stuff. So I have a bag of like shot cord and cord locks and like all this stuff. So now I can just do my own little modifications like that. But it's the accessories page is where I always check first. Like those little things, like this one little thing that even if you don't buy it, you're like, oh, I can do that myself. I can fabricate that myself. That's a really good idea. And you go get some 550 cord and some tubular nylon or whatever. And you kind of fabricate it on your own. Um, there's a lot of really good ideas. And if you don't know how to fabricate it, you know, usually those things aren't very expensive. So you pick it up and it might be everything you ever wanted. And it maybe it turns out, you know, you didn't think it through and it doesn't quite fit onto your carrier. Uh, but I also keep all that stuff because either I can use it in the future, you know, if I change the, the type of platform I'm using. Or somebody in you know one of my teams or my platoon is able to use it. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. The scabbard I think kind of takes the cake for stuff that really didn't work. Um, yeah, I bought a lot of chest rigs because as a recon marine we do a lot of you know ground reconnaissance patrolling. Um, so we wear chest rigs and rucks when we go out for that. And um, I've always preferred a chest rig that has internal magazine pouches already built into the platform with the molly on the front. Uh, I got rid of all mine, so I don't have any examples anymore. But um, <clears throat> I like those best because then, you know, you, you get some pouches and you slap them on. You're like, all right, cool, this works. And then a couple years down the road, you know, a company comes out with pouches that are just made out of lighter material or are just more ergonomic or, or whatever, right? You can just switch that stuff out. You know, it's pretty easy. Whereas a platform can last you a long time. Um, 
the last one I bought was an uh, Aztec rig when they were still making them. Uh, they don't make the chest rigs anymore. Uh, but I, yeah, I've been running an Aztec rig for like a decade. Nice. Um, but there's some other ones before that. Uh, and the biggest thing, the issue that I always ran into was uh, not enough real estate. Because our thing was 12 mags for the M4, two quarts of water, IFAC, smoke, radio, two frags. And the, yeah, that was the minimum requirements. And like if you wanted a utility pouch, you know, you could fit one on there somewhere uh, and anything else. And like, yeah, so I always had to try and figure out a way to get all that stuff, you know, onto my chest rig. It, it made some pretty beefy chest rigs, especially when I started carrying a, uh, a 203. But, you know, having that good platform uh, was always really useful. Um, actually, going back to the, the breaching shotgun, so one of the issues I had with that was how to carry it. You know, um, a lot of guys with breaching shotguns, they usually just take a, a length of bungee cord, and they attach it to the back of the shotgun, they attach one end to their plate carrier, and they'll have some method of like stowing it on their back somehow, like a weapons catch or whatever. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't, I felt it was uh, too restrictive to be attached to, like a single shoulder, and it didn't give me the freedom of movement that I wanted. So I was using a single point sling and a weapons catch, but it would always slide down and it would be banging around behind me. It would hit my pistol holster. So it wasn't very quiet. So I ended up buying a uh, rail forend for the shotgun. So it had three rail, uh, Picatinny rail sections. I think I got it from Wilson Combat. And I put a uh, Surefire M900, which is the light with integrated foregrip. And then that way, the foregrip sat on top of the weapons catch. So there was enough gun in front of it to stay put and I could tighten the one point sling, but it would stay up high so I could run and sprint and climb with my shotgun and it wasn't gonna go anywhere as long as I didn't you know, invert myself. Uh, it was easier to grab. And then I could also light my own target. So a lot of times somebody else would have to come up and give me some white light in order for me to see my breach. But now I had a light on my shotgun. So I didn't need somebody else to be like right over my shoulder. I could do it myself. If the door came open and there was a issue on the other side, I still have a 12 gauge and I have a light now so I can take care of that. Um, but it made it made my life so much easier with that breaching shotgun. Uh, it was just, it was phenomenal after that until about three quarters of the way through that deployment. Uh, just the constant shock of the recoil, of the 12 gauge, that light mount couldn't handle it. And the, uh, the light body actually broke away from the Picatinny mount. Oh, wow. Uh, I just, I didn't, I didn't have another one. But I mean, I did a lot of shotgun breaching uh, on that deployment. So it finally broke. And then I ended up just like tossing it over on my left side and a weapons catch to keep it uh, out of the way. But before that light broke, like that was just one of my better ideas. See, that's, that's the level, like for everybody listening in, that's the level of experience and thought 
that goes into some of these suggestions that people make online. Like when you, when you post some idea on Instagram or Facebook or something, and you have 12 people come in there and say, Hey man, that's, that's not a good idea. I wouldn't do that. Like this is the kind of reasoning that goes into those, those mm -hmm. words of caution. Like don't, nobody's, nobody's trying to give you a hard time. Uh, they're trying yeah. to, trying to help you out. And that's, that's kind of the epitome of, of what the whole consideration thing is. I, I have made these mistakes so that you don't need to. Yeah. And I've tried to be really vocal about that. Um, I haven't done like a throwback post in uh, probably a couple of months now, but um, every time I put it out there, you know, a lot of people, they just, they put up like their old OIF or OEF photos and, you know, it's like, Hey, we were hard as fuck and we were awesome. And, you know, we were the greatest platoon ever. And, you know, I'll be like, you know, it, here's some stuff that we did that was good and here's something that went wrong because something always goes wrong and if other people can learn from that you know then hopefully they don't make the same mistake you know like going out and not having enough planned resupplies on a 15-day recce patrol and now you're making tree stills in the bush of uh, Australia to try and sustain your, your water levels, you know, and stuff like that. Like I'm always trying to put that out those lessons that I've learned the hard way. So hopefully the people will read that and be like, okay. And be like, yeah, you know, laugh at me. Be like, yeah, dude, that was a dumb move and I'll agree with you. Uh, so hopefully somebody else doesn't make that same mistake and, uh, and people can learn from it. Cause you know, we can talk about how awesome we were, but that doesn't always, help as much same like yeah we did good but here's where we screwed up yeah i think i think a lot of people kind of lose track of that and i don't i don't think it's ever really intentional they just they remember the highs uh, but there's a lot of value from the lows too mm -hmm. and like there's there's a anything you do there's there's something you can learn from it and and people like you that are putting those experiences out there uh especially with you know stuff dying off and there's going to be a lull right now until this until stuff kicks back off again like we don't want to lose that that experience level and have those people have to make all those same mistakes over again um if if you haven't followed like the evolution of of everything involved with you know the the whole gwat era you know there's there's crazy growth in in every aspect of war fighting um, yeah. if, if we can't capture that and, and you're capturing the kit portion really well, you know, it's, it, there's going to be a steep learning curve next time stuff happens. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the things I've encountered, uh, at where I work is, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a CQB course and although the other staff that I work with, you know, they've, they've done new deployments, they've done shooting packages. They, they know the tactics, you know, we do our training as instructors, very few have experience doing, you know, these direct action type missions and doing close quarters battle in country because there's aren't that many guys left um, that have that experience. You know, it's not that, my experience is uh, rare within recon. It's just that most of those guys who have that experience are out or like the E8, E9 level. Um, not a whole lot left at the E6, E7 level to be like, hey, this, I did this. Like, 
I went through a door, this exact same scenario, and this is what I encountered, right? And this is why I'm still here to tell you about it, right? So this is why I'm harping that I really want you to do this thing, you know, a certain kind of way because I encountered a situation and I'm still here. Or I had a friend do what you just tried to do and he's not here anymore. So this is this is why, but and <clears throat> I try not to throw that in their faces because that was something I learned as an SMY instructor, uh, school of infantry when I was at the base of recon course was the uh, entry level guys would come over from infantry training time like, yeah, our, our instructors just told us like this is what we did in Iraq, or this is what we did in Afghanistan. So this is the way you have to do it because this is how we did it. And I was like, okay, you know, that's a way. Um, here's how I've done it. You know, and there's another instructor. He was in a totally different company and totally different battalion. And uh, he did it that way. Um, and we're all still standing here. So, you know, all the ways have merit. They all may have some downfalls. You know, let's try and figure out what method has the most merit and the least downfalls and then we go with that method and then adapt it as we need to uh so i've tried to maintain that and i'll just like but they're like i've been to iraq so you're gonna do it this way i just start you know throwing stuff out there and i was like yeah you know when i was doing this one raid and this and that and they're like hey are you talking about like actual raids and i'm like yeah they're like oh okay and then they're like now now they're a lot more interested in what you have to say yeah i think you know i think there's there's been i i've witnessed it i don't know how how widespread it is but there's there's kind of this trend in certain uh certain aspects of the community right now where uh the people that have the real life experience are and I think some of it stems from how they, they communicate that experience are almost shunned um, as, as outdated or uh, almost irrelevant or, or obsolete at this point, right? Like we really got to be careful about that. And I, I think that's a two-way street. Like if somebody has the experience and they're telling you something, you know, capture, capture the experience, maybe not necessarily the whole person behind it, but capture the experience and try to, try to get some value out of that and then if you have the experience make sure you're framing it in a manner that people can actually consume and not just like you said this is the only way versus this is a way that worked for me and recognize that that your stories are an anecdote and they're not the whole case study um, mm -hmm. which again every, all the stuff that i see you put out is is, is following that model right Every yeah, once in a while. That, that, yeah, I think that is the other flip side is you have the the GWAT veterans that are still around and are like just like you know, my, my students were complaining about their uh combat instructors were like, Yeah, I was in Iraq and this is how I did it. And so that's the only way it can be done. And it's just that's just not true. Right? Because that statement, you are making the assumption that you are the consummately trained individual in that that field you are the master of whatever that is and reality is like none of us are masters like some of us get really good you know especially in units that like are allowed to specialize in a certain thing and are you know given the logistics to train to a high level 
people, they're really good. And so, you know, we, we look to them for answers, but no one has all the answers, right? And you have all the what ifs and people want to make up, you know, a million contingency plans. And it's just, you can't do it, right? You can't be absolute because the more absolute you are, the more rigid you are, the harder it's going to be for you when, you know, the ninja pops out from behind the couch with the flamethrower, like, where's our contingency for this, right? Well, why don't we just stick to some principles that we've trained to, let's be aggressive, and let's not get burned by the ninja with the flamethrower. It's, you bring up a, a, a experience I had in training uh, with the contingency planning, right? So uh, it happened to be this week in class, we were talking about contingency planning for different things. And then, you know, several years ago, I was taking a, a threat assessment class for IEDs. And uh, the instructor, uh, one of my favorite instructors, I really appreciated his style. But you, we had this, this, uh, this kind of mindset that like every, every training device is, or every real device or whatever is, is to kill us. And he just kind of, we're, we're doing a hot wash after a practice problem. And he just, you know, verbally slaps us. And he's like, you guys are not always the target. Like, stop thinking that you're always the target. Not every, every person that's out there that's setting up these devices is actively trying to kill EOD techs. Like, look at the whole story behind it. And, and maybe they were targeting their ex-wife and their ex-wife is legitimately the only target. Like there's not a cell phone hidden in there waiting to kill you guys just because they couldn't kill their wife. You know, like the contingency planning is needed. You can't just like, all right, here's my plan. I'm going to full send uh, with yeah. no, no, no base covering, but you, you can't, uh, like, all right, well, what if they drop a nuke on us? They're not, they're not going to do that. Like make it to a realistic level understand that realistic level of tra of planning and training and then exercise it and, and see how it works and find what you forgot or what you missed or what was actually more feasible than you thought it was. Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest things that I found when it comes to, to tactics and everything is like you, you have principles, you, you kind of abide by those principles, uh, and use initiative and things will just kind of fall into place uh, whereas people start getting really really rigid you know it, it falls apart and then circling back around to the the gear thing we had that issue with rigidity going back into iraq for the second time so it was just uh i was in with uh, first time fifth marines for the invasion we came back and it was like okay we're gonna you know iraq has been won that played out well <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're going to get, uh, two, four out of Oki, bring them back here to camp Pendleton. And then one five, like you guys are going to go out on a 30 for you, like be quick turnaround. We're going to get a whole bunch of dudes from SOI and quick work up, go to Oki, do the 31st Mew. And, you know, we're going to fix the Mew rotation since we left two, four on the, on the Mew. I think they were out for like 16 months. Um, and you know, sure enough. Time comes to the play again. It's like, oh, just kidding. We're going back to Iraq. We did stop over in Oki for a couple months to finish our uh, our workup. And one day we get called in, and I'm in the sniper platoon at this point in uh, the weapons company. And the first sergeant just starts going off. He's just upset about a million things. And, uh, so he's like, everyone in the company needs to look 
uniform. He's like, so everyone, he's like, do we want to wear, we still have the uh, interceptor vest. So we had the interceptor vest with the Molly on it. And we had the Molly LBV. So he's like, do we want the LBV or do we want to put pouches on the flak jacket? And all the, it was like all the staff and CEOs uh, and a lot of section leaders are all like, yeah, put it on the flak jacket. He's like, okay. He's like, where do all the mag pouches need to go? And everyone starts talking about, you know, where the mag pouches should go for everyone. And then somebody brought up, well, like, what about the left-handed guys? Like, and the first start actually had to think about it and be like, we can let the left-handed guys set it up, but it'll be like mirrored. And I'm looking around the room. I'm just a corporal. I'm an E4. I'm looking around the room. The whole sniper platoon was inside this conversation for some reason. And all the rest were just like the staff and CEOs. And, uh, and, and no one's saying anything about this. You know, and he's going on and on and on about, you know, how we need to set up our gear. And he's, he's a supply guy by trade. You know, and not to take away from, you know, the enablers and support folk, but like, if you worked in a supply warehouse your entire career, you might not be the best person to start preaching about how to set up a flak jacket for a bunch of dudes in a weapons company running in a combined anti-armor team. And I just was like, um, doesn't this defeat the purpose of the Molly system entirely? And, you know, instantly this like laser beams being shot into my head from like every person with a rocker on their collar in that room. And he just looked at me, he's like, what do you mean? Like, well, the point of the Molly system was to allow the end user to set up their gear however they wanted, whatever worked best for them. I was like, we have so many different billets. It's like, well, you've got the whole sniper platoon over here. I mean, you guys have machine gunners and you've got mortarmen and you've got, you know, anti-tank missile men and you've got some dudes are in turrets and some dudes are drivers and some dudes are in the back of the truck. Like it, it doesn't work. The same thing doesn't work for everybody. You know, some guys have rifles, some guys have light machine guns. Like it just doesn't work. You know, what about the guys with pistols? And he's like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. He's like, what do you suggest? I was like, why don't we just let everybody set up their own stuff and then NCOs and staff NCOs inspect? Like how we do everything else. You know, inspect what we expect. As long as people aren't doing silly stuff, let them, let them run their gear. And he was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And still just lasers from everybody else in the room. Like how dare I speak up? I'm like, I just saved all of your asses. <laughs> like, I just prevented a complete shit show. Uh, and it was my benefit, too, because, you know, I had all of my, you know, custom stuff. I didn't want to have to, you know, not be able to use. Uh, but I was like, man, that was really easy. All I do is just speak up and deliver a calm, sensible argument. And this man who's not known for being rational actually listened i was like okay you know that and it went well so i think that was probably my first uh, uh true iteration of how i've come to communicate with people there you go and it's it's goofy like i had i had no intentions of of working in leadership in this talk but as as easy as that example is to understand because it's so tangible like you can really 
you can really extend that to any any policy that you're driving or or SOP or whatever. Like, do you really need to dictate how X, Y, and Z are occurring? Or can you just give the expected end result and make sure people aren't being jackasses in between? Like, mm-hmm. let let people do their job and then and make sure it's being done legally and, and towards the, the required end goal and, and let people just do their thing. Yeah, you, you let adults be adults and you provide the proper intent and supervision. And, you know, you'd be surprised at, you know, how well they do. Uh, it is because it is funny. I know we don't want to take this in relation, but it is funny how, like, the more you micromanage, uh, the more things usually don't work out in the long run. Which, which kind of plays back to right where we started, right? If you say this is the only way, people are going to actively fight you as much as they can. They're yeah. going to find, find the loopholes in what you put out. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to want to work for you. And it's, it's like, it's the quickest way to ensuring uh, lowered efficiency and lowered performance. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> I've actually had people kind of get upset with me in the past because I'm like, hey, you know, day one in the range, here's how you load your gun. But even then, I'm not like, you must do it exactly this way. I was like, you know, you can do it slide forward or you can lock it backwards. And then once you send the slide forward, like you can pull the magazine out and look at it, or you can do a press check, or you can do this, or you can do that. And they're like, dude, you're giving them too much. Like, you just need to tell them one way. Just tell them one way. And that way, you know, everyone, we have a, a measure. I'm like, it's loading the gun. We're not evaluating them on loading the gun. All we need to do is make sure that they have a process that they develop a process and they stick to that process so that they always cover their bases, their guns loaded, their optics work, and they're ready to rock and roll. Like if they do a freaking cartwheel and load their gun, as long as they don't flag anybody on the range, I don't care. Right? Like it doesn't matter. You know, if they're fast and accurate, who cares how they do it? If they're fast and accurate, then they're good. I think I think that whole idea is is scary to to leaders um, because they're they're looking at it as if we don't give people one expected standard, um, how do we ensure their performance is where we want it or something like that? Right, that's the easy way to look at it. But the flip side of that is, if I don't give people one expected standard, how do I measure their performance how do i watch them like you have to know what you're talking about to a whole nother level when you allow people to make their own decisions and i think that's that's part of why we have so many black and white processes out there is it's scary uh to the leaders that don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of the things that they're telling people to do yeah and and it goes back to like you know well we don't know the standard so the example you're talking about is like well I wanted you to load your gun and make sure everything attached to it works. All your optics, all your lights, all your lasers, everything works. Did you do that? Did Is there a round in your chamber? Yes. Is your magazine inserted? Yes. Is your optic on? Yes. Does your laser work? Yes. Does your light work? Yes. You know, 
Does everything work? Yes. Okay, you've met the standard. You've loaded your gun and ensured everything works. You know, however you got there is how you got there. And then, you know, if you did choose, you're that guy who was like, oh, I, I'm going to cartwheel to load it. And, you know, you fall over and it takes you twice as long to, to load as everybody else. You'd be like, you know what? Maybe you want to take that cartwheel out because we're all waiting on your silly clown ass right now. And like, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I should not cartwheel, right? And you just, you got to move forward with it from there. Um, but you're right. A lot of people are, they get nervous that, you know, a, a task, when you give something as like a task, a condition and a standard, it's like, well, well, how do I get to the standard? Well, you stay within the conditions that I gave you and you perform the task. So that's it. Right. However, you're going to do it, just do it within the guidelines I gave you, those conditions, and perform the task to this standard. Load your gun, check your optics, put a helmet on, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and I think that's a big part of moving how we move forward as a force in general, uh, instead of the very rigid you know, A, B, C, D. Like, you know what? I'm just going to go from A to Q to Z and I'll be good, right? Because I get to Z. Yep. Right? And I think that's that's really going to show, you know, in the downtime between now and the next fight, right? The more restrictive and regimented we are in our processes, by the time we get to the point where we have to employ them, we're going to forget why we were doing them that way we just know that we do them that way and then everybody's lost and we all forget the intent we remember the steps but not the intent and 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 letting people understand their own processes and why they're doing them is how you maintain that 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 ability yes yeah uh, uh let's see to bring it bring it back to kit what um I, I would assume you get a lot of uh, uh, messages and, yeah. and traffic. What are what are some of the common questions that you see? I'm sure the answers are floating around out there, but people sometimes don't necessarily look for them uh, before they hit people up. What's what's the big ask right now? Uh, I don't think I could really nail it down to any one thing. Um, uh, because I've, you know, gained a pretty large following, or I guess it's large. I, it's a lot of people in a relatively short amount of time. So there are people that will join the page and, um, you know, not everyone joins a page and goes through all your posts, right? Yep. Um, I don't blame them for not doing it. So I get a lot of questions to be like, Hey, you should do a post about this and then i will send them the post that i've done about it um or i'll be like oh you know what that's like a really good idea um uh, in which i need to start writing these things down because at least once a day i'm like yeah it's a good idea i should do a post on that and then i forget and i can't find the message anymore um or i just straight up answer their question i was like yeah you have to do a post on it but like here's you know my recommendations uh and actually just before this somebody hit me up 
about uh, flashbangs and smoke grenades. They're like, I went through your post, you didn't really talk about it. Like, what do I do? How do I store my flashbangs and my smoke grenades? I'm like, well, I actually did kind of talk about it some of the earlier considerations post, but like, you know, here you go again. Like, here's here's what I've done. Here's what I recommend. Um, it was real, real quick and brief. And he was like, yeah, cool, thanks. You know, uh, I'm going to try that stuff out. And do you mind if I send you pictures? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, send pictures. And I do get a lot of that. I get a lot of guys will hit me up and I'll give my recommendation. And then they'll send me pictures uh, of their gear. And like, hey, it, does this look right? And I'll be like, yeah, man, you know, that looks good. And I might ask, uh, instead of being like, hey, I think you should move this or that, like, why do you have this or that in that spot? You know, and I let them tell me. Because then in them telling me, you know, they may not say it in the message, but they might be like, you know, maybe that isn't the best spot. And even if they don't change it, at least they're thinking about it. You know, yeah. that's that's the like the Socratic method uh, to things which I like to use. And it's kind of it's kind of every it's everything, you know. Uh, you know, securing MVGs to helmets, you know, lights to use, knives, like it's whatever. People come at me with all all kinds of questions, um, but mostly it's uh, there's actually I guess. So one of the more common things has been uh, about USMC plate carriers and okay. guys wondering uh, how to change, like where can they get different cummerbunds for uh, the Marine Corps plate carriers? I think that has been probably a more common one. And I pretty much direct them to Arbor Arm for that uh, just because their cummerbund was like their, they have an adapter kit that was designed mm -hmm. specifically to work with our, our Gen 2 carrier. Um, but there's some really good, like A and ATAC, you know, great cummerbunds. Um, and those work with the new Gen 3 carrier. So I've been telling guys, kind of nudging them that way. Um, yeah, I said it's probably now that I'm actually talking, thinking about it, it'd be the, the cummerbunds. But there's a lot of off the wall stuff and a lot of like people follow me and they'll, dig up an old post and it's kind of funny they'll send me my own post to, <laughs> to talk to me about it um but you know it's all good that's awesome it sounds like they're at least they're at least trying to be productive in their their questions and and whatnot and i i totally understand the thing where they're just they're not going to go back through the posts and see what you've done before and they're going to assume that whatever question they have is is earth breaking and 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 the first time you've considered it, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I have been pretty fortunate so far too that uh, haven't gotten any uh, you know internet ninjas you know coming into the the comments and trying to be like, no, it's all wrong. You know, everyone's been like, people come in, they're like, uh, you know, I don't agree. Uh, you know, here's what I've done, and you know, I come right back like, all right, you know, so you've done that maybe consider these things and, you know, you want to bring up how long you've been doing it. So here's how long I've been doing it. Uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. And I've had, which I think is pretty surprising, some pretty civil discourse, uh, both in my comments and on some other people's pages so far. So that's, uh, that's been good 
for the internet experience because some of my earlier forays into the internet were uh, just before I learned to like not read comments and all that and ignore people. Uh, they were they were interesting. I think I think a lot of that speaks to your your approach to the whole thing though, uh, because you're not you're not abrasive in the way you put this stuff out, right? You're not, you don't, you don't bring something up and then take a giant dump on, on other, other people that are out there in the space recommending different things. It's a different way to try something. Um, yeah. And it, it frames it so that people would really have to be going out of their way to try to bring up some drama, um, which I'm, I'm glad to hear because uh, it, it pains me when people, that have put in the time and the effort to to do this kind of work and and make like the long form posts that you make, um, and then to just you know in passing almost try to stir stuff up like it's not productive for anybody. So I'm I'm glad it's not happening for you. Yeah, it's been good so far. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it how it continues. You know, I see the uh, the guys with. It seems like right around thirty thousand followers, you start you start getting some of the uh, the yahoos that uh, just want to start the internet dumpster fires. So we'll, we'll see what happens if I ever reach that level. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's it's so goofy how how the whole like numbers game works, right? Like, I, I look at your account and I see fifteen thousand followers, and I I think that's a pretty massive amount of people. Uh, just based on the fact that you are putting out essentially educational material, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not it's not for show. It's not like intentionally entertainment. It is it is. Hey, here's things that you can learn. Here's things that other people are teaching. Things that I'm teaching. This is for everyone's benefit. Um, and to have that kind of of reach with you know the the boring material, right, is, is impressive to me. Um, there's, there's plenty yeah. of people out there that have hundreds of thousands of people following them, but what, what value are they adding to the conversation versus entertainment? Yeah. 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 Actually, surprisingly, I had a really big boost, uh, over the Christmas holiday. Um, that, that whole period, it, the, I think I jumped like four thousand plus five thousand followers. Uh, oh wow! And, you know, in like in like uh, about a month, um, and I was like, I was actually got a little intimidated. I was like, if this is the new trend, or if this gets exponential, like I I can't keep up with this. Like the the amount of messages I get already. Uh, on a daily, but like I pick up my phone in the morning and it's like 18 DMs, and then I answer them all. And you know, then people start responding to the answers that I give, and then it just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. Like, I have no idea how the hell people with like hundreds of thousands of followers manage all that. They probably just don't answer a lot of their, their mail, yeah. But uh, yeah. It, it it's pittered back off to its you know normal levels, but that was a an insane jump over the holidays. I guess people just you know couldn't go anywhere because of Rona restrictions. So that could be uh, it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, 
I meant to mention this earlier on, but you were talking about uh, when, you, when you mentioned like the growth of social media and everything and, and how people hop on uh, to just kind of blow off steam after work. That's, that's one of the, the other aspects to what you're doing that I appreciate is, you know, you have your, your posts that are, that are your things. And then all of the, the, the new information that you bring in through the stories um, and, and the kind of the, the external sources, right? So like tonight, uh, just thumbing through Instagram, I, I saw a story of yours and I learned how to stretch my, uh, get some ankle mobility, you know, like all those little different helpful things. And, and as little as I use stories or watch stories, like to be able to just click through that, and you're like, oh man, that's, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but ankle mobility, that's cool. And it's just so, so instantaneous uh, to be able to see that and it sparked the idea that it's something I can learn right now. You know, it's a, it's a neat approach. Yeah. yeah I just, uh, I think it's useful, you know, for the, for the longest time, like I didn't understand that feature on Instagram. I'm like, what's, what is the point of the story? Like, why am I posting on the story if I'm posting on the feed? Like, I don't yep. get it. Um, but then I was, you know, going through other people's stories and I'm like, oh, they're sharing posts. Like that's, that's a post of somebody else and I can touch it and go see that post. It's like, oh, I'm like, that's a great idea. So I just started doing that. And, you know, and that's like, I just roll through the feed and where I see something that's good, you know, I just started, I start sharing it and I started sharing a lot more of like the squat university stuff with the ankle mobility because you know i'm using that stuff and it's like well if i need it and i've had other people who mentioned the dms when i do talk about fitness like man my knees are shot my you know ankles all busted up or my shoulders are crap which is you know the check in the box everybody using military and law enforcement community as a goal you know if i'm using this stuff to help myself out you know why not help spread that out there uh, cause, you know, maybe not everybody knows about these, these other pages. And so, you know, trying to push all that, you know, whatever it is, you know, a lot of it lately has been, um, like squat university and some other pages that do like, uh, you know, physical therapy and working on mobility, uh, but you know, anything, if I think it's like good and useful stuff, um, you know, pushing it out there and it just helps kind of promote that atmosphere of like education. You know, like you've got this supercomputer that fits in your pocket, you know, like, yes, entertain yourself, but, you know, why not learn a thing or two while you're at it uh, instead of kind of droning on mindlessly? Absolutely. And it makes it, it's so, so easy in that format to learn things and to get some actual value out of it beyond just the entertainment that, you know, it's a it's a public service more than anything else that you're you're putting out there for other people, um, to to make them healthier, to save them some heartache, to uh, keep them from making mistakes potentially outside of a training environment. Like those are all really really big deals, and and I hope that people uh, appreciate it for what it is. It's it's awesome to see. Yeah, so far the uh, the feedback's been really positive, um, really good. So as long as I keep getting, you know, positive feedback, just feedback in general, you know, somebody gives me like, hey, man, I, I don't, yeah, and people are like, you know, I don't agree with you or I don't agree with that. And, you know, I have the conversation with them. 
Um, and for the most part, everything's been good conversations, minus, you know, some onesies and twosies that psyops on the American public and, I don't know, tinfoil hats and all that kind of stuff that's just outside my wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have those conversations and, you know, if I'm wrong, all right, I'm wrong. You know, let me know how I'm wrong and then, you know, I can, you know, correct that. So I'm definitely open to that. Uh, but yeah, just really good feedback so far. As long as I keep getting that feedback, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that'll help me kind of drive where I should go the same way as an instructor. I get end of course critiques. And if all the students say the same thing that, you know, they want out of the course, well, then the next course I put on, I will incorporate that item uh, to make the next course better. Yeah. Let's uh real quick, let's touch on on end of course uh, feedback. Right. I've I haven't I haven't formally instructed uh, in the military. However, I have taught classes outside of my unit um, in a in a an educational uh, venue, right? But, um, a lot of people don't give feedback, right? Feedback is a massive problem military wide. But when you're given a form that you're allowed to put whatever you want on it and and hopefully make something better for the next person through, people still don't don't take that um, that opportunity, right? So what um what are your thoughts on the value of like an a true end of course type feedback? So uh, I really like end of course critique for the purpose they are meant to serve. Um, I, I didn't really appreciate them when I started off as a formal instructor uh, in School of Infantry because um, when they're done the, the right way, the instructor staff doesn't actually see them. You know, they're administered by uh, somebody who works the you know, academic section, whether that's a civilian contractor or an active duty person. And, you know, they gather it and then they'll sit down with like the command and they'll go through it with the command and they'll highlight trends in the end of course critiques. And then those trends are quantified and then those are explained to the instructor staff. And there's a bit of the telephone game and interpretation. So by the time it gets to us, you know, it, some of it sounds like complaining. Some of it sounds like things being taken out of context. And then a lot of, you know, when you're teaching younger service members, a lot of them just want to like, that's at the end of the course, right? They're done. They want to be done. And they're not going to sit there and write out thoughtful comments. So you get like these offshoot little comments that somebody interprets, that somebody else in your command interprets, and then puts that into a PowerPoint to tell you or writes it down to come tell you. So long story short, I really appreciate them. But where I work now, uh, we're, we're in a weird kind of environment. So our academics people will administer the end of course critiques. Uh, but then he goes through them all and then he brings them up to our office and he's like, hey, here's the ECCs if you guys want to read them. And you know, he'll throw out like the highlights and the common trends that he saw. And then we'll go through it and we'll we'll address it uh, and and figure it out. But being able to actually read the end of course critiques 
uh, is normally good feedback into the the insight of the group because yeah, you know, I may have been with them for however many weeks, but now I can truly see because they're not really understanding that I'm going to read this, right? This is just something they're putting on a piece of paper and, you know, maybe they're not taking it seriously, but now I can read it so I can see where their headspace is at. And then it lets me know, like, all right, are they just using this to vent because, you know, they were failed on a bunch of events or are they actually trying to provide good feedback or what is they trying to do? And, and, you know, a lot of times you get like for our course, for instance, people are like, Oh, I want more aircraft. I want more aircraft, you know, in the CV course. I'm like, cool, dude, you want to fly a Huey through the shoot house? Like we're, we're not going to do that. You know, that's, that's kind of a logistical pain in the ass, not the scope of close quarters battle. So we're not going to work on that. But then guys are like, you know, I didn't like the uh, the breaching facade. Like they they were looked jankety, and we had doors falling us. You know, after breaching with a shotgun and walking through, and I'd be like, all right, yeah, he's he's got a valid point. Like we did not hang doors properly. Hey, we need to do a much better job of hanging doors, and we need to, you know, now work further out and do all these other preparations. So like some things get taken seriously, and some things don't. And sometimes there's just amusing comments on them, um, and then a lot of times there's just nothing. You know, they'd be like, <clears throat> do you have anything, you know, about the instructors? And they'll be like, no. And then there's another question would be like, do you have any comments about the course? And it's like, I didn't like the instructors. <laughs> well, well, then why didn't, what are your comments about the instructors? Like you were asked a separate question on that, you know. Um, yeah, long story short, any course critiques are very useful. And as an instructor, right, I can take those. So if you have those legitimate concerns, like, you know, doors or the availability of dry erase markers or class materials or whatever, I can take that to the command, you know, as far as at least the military goes, I can take that and be like, hey, the students are asking for this. Like the students say they need this. I agree with them. The other instructor staff agrees with them help us bring this to the students yeah. because most training commands are there. They're all about the students. So <clears throat> if it's coming from them, it has a lot more value than the instructors asking for it. When instructors ask for it, you're like, you're just a bunch of spoiled brat. You're like, I don't have any dry erase markers. I can't draw a diagram on this 50 foot dry erase board because there's no markers left, you know, or the last person you sent, got permanent markers now there's a bunch of permanent marker on the drive board because you got the wrong thing uh, but if the students are saying it you know then that has more weight behind it with a lot of training commands the actual command staff uh, so i can use that to get the things that are needed yeah i absolutely agree i think a lot of people by the time they get to the end of a course um they're just whether it's laziness or just you know they're tired they're they're they've been they've been working uh, and they're and they're ready to do something new a lot of people forget uh, or don't put any value in it from the student perspective but if if you've got people who are dedicating their time and energy to teaching you a skill what is the one way aside from just putting in some effort on a daily basis that you can contribute back as a student it's the end of course 
or, or end of lesson or whatever, you know, uh, somebody a while ago told me this, and I, I can't remember who, but, you know, no job is finished until the paperwork is done. And it was in reference to going to the bathroom, but you know, it's, it applies to everything, right? Like give that instructor some feedback, whether it's as simple as, Hey, I appreciated your time or, or I didn't like this, you know, even if you're not going to give them the reasons and the justifications, like it's something for them to think about and it'll help your peers later on when they come through that, that yeah. course. Especially if you had like serious issues with the instructor staff or, you know, the conduct, like the safety conduct of the course, like <clears throat> that's a really good spot to bring it up because majority of the time it's not going from your hands straight to the instructor. It's going to an academic person or, you know, at least like maybe whoever isn't directly in charge of that group of instructors and they'll go through it. And if it was like, you know, you had serious concerns about how things were run safety wise, or, you know, we've had issues where, you know, instructors said certain things that, you know, uh, a lot of people in that platoon felt was unprofessional. Um, we, you know, we'd always ask that like, hey, don't wait for the ACC to bring this up, like bring it up beforehand so we can crush it sooner, but it's a good spot to do it, you know, um, because it can fix that because like, We've all been to courses where, like, there's that one instructor is like, that dude should just not be here. You know, either he's just totally incompetent or he's just incredibly abrasive and toxic and he doesn't foster a learning environment. It's like, that dude should just not be here. And if, if that comes out in the ECCs, you know, it may take a couple of classes, but, you know, two, three classes of, like, every student being like this guy is terrible and he is ruining this course he'll get moved he'll be removed from that course and he'll be sent somewhere else where hopefully he can do less damage you know but if you never say anything about it you just kind of bitch about the guy behind his back and you know years down the road you talk about oh man remember that asshole we had to deal with that course yeah <laughs> sucked. well he doesn't go anywhere and then all of a sudden like now he's your platoon sergeant because you didn't say anything and nobody ever said anything and he just kept you know doing what he was doing and got promoted and now you're really stuck with him yeah for sure <clears throat> well i don't want to i don't want to keep you uh too much longer we haven't had i don't know how we haven't had any actual questions come through other than uh did i watch you on the how to be a good lt uh live which i did uh it was it was well done a lot of good information there um so kind of the way i've been closing these out is uh, trying to expand my own breadth by asking uh, the guests to recommend future guests. Uh, if you have anybody uh, that you would like me to track down and try to get on here, uh, I would love to hear it. Uh, no one I can think of at the moment. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know everyone who's been on your show so far. But not too many mostly mostly uh, uh gear makers and um we had will from cattails he was on okay here. cool yeah love will i should go back and watch that one he's a good guy yeah yeah and then the uh the other thing i've been asking is one piece of dad advice a couple people took it super literal and they gave me parenting <laughs> advice which is cool i uh, absolutely <laughs> need that i got four of them um but just you know dad advice right so what, what you got 
Oh man. Yeah, apparently I'm not really good at being put on the spot. Uh, and if not, no worries, because I mean you're, you're dropping yeah. it constantly, so it's yeah, it's all I, over the place. I would place. say I don't know. I, I would say though, I guess this is probably you know not going to be as humorous, but like something I'm always telling my teenager, uh, you know, and I guess this is more like advice as a dad and not to another dad, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> is to just be more direct i like it he he's never direct you know he's always very passive aggressive and like you know walk he's the kid that like walks into the kitchen and be like i'm hungry (laughs) but he's not talking to us he's like looking at the wall and you know (laughs) so we just ignore him um you know for a lot of these things until he finally figures out he's being ignored and then he's like you know can i have this or can we order this and then we're like oh okay you would like some pizza uh, yeah well, well we'll order some pizza um be direct because if you don't learn to be direct you know you're never going to actually get what you want and then eventually people will just take advantage of your passive nature you can call it passive aggressive it's still passive first you know so be direct just don't be an asshole i like it and i i absolutely agree uh as as i've grown throughout my career i have i've had to learn that lesson i think everybody really does right because we're taught as like e1s e2s e3s that we don't matter um yeah ask for what you want uh if something doesn't make sense make it known you know politely that it doesn't make sense ask for the why um explain explain yourself and and I, I absolutely agree. Be direct. If we, if, if everybody was more direct, we would be a more effective, more lethal force. And just don't get offended when people are direct to you. They're, they're doing it for everyone's benefit and not as a slight. Yeah. And if they are, just don't take it that way. Take it as they're trying to get it for somebody's benefit. Yep. Very cool. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your Friday night to do this. Uh, it yeah, means a lot to me. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's a good opportunity. Yeah. It was an absolute honor uh, for you to join in, and I appreciate it so much. Yeah, yeah it was great uh, talk. So, awesome. Thanks, sir. Yeah, thank you.